process of corruption. Supernaturally, he arose from the dead and appeared and disappeared until at last he ascended supernaturally into heaven. Christianity itself was inaugurated supernaturally by the Holy Spirit when he came on the Pentecost. One becomes a Christian supernaturally through regeneration. So when you deny the supernatural, you're denying basically Christianity because without the supernatural, we don't have Christianity. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. I've never seen a demon. I want to say I see a couple cats that must have been inspired by somebody. I'm not going to say that. But I, but, we see, but I still believe it's there just because we don't... If I stop believing in Tokyo, Japan, does that mean Tokyo, Japan ceases to an immorality so hardened and murderous intent that they just God lets them go? But there's a lot of people who still yet can, meet, can receive Christ as Savior. Amen. We, are apt to, we are apt to forget that the poor lost man whom we are opposing is a, often a dupe or a tool of the evil one. The word keep means to watch over, to keep an eye on. We, we can never escape God's love, but we can cease to enjoy it by allowing some root of bitterness to spring up in our hearts as a result of controversy. Bitterness affects mostly you. You may be bitter at someone, and they don't even know you're bitter at them anymore, and it's ruining your every day. Every day. If you're not careful, that can really take over. So we must ever be on the watch to ensure that combat doesn't overwhelm compassion and that hatred for false teaching does not degenerate to hatred for the false teacher and that our zeal, we do not become zealots. It's it's that that we need to be zealot for a good thing, but zealots in the bad kind. We, We need to just keep the right balance of all these things. And fourthly, an outward look, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. By the way, that pronoun, by the way, words matter, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's an important pronoun. It's our Lord. It's the one who saved me. It's the one who saved you. It's not the Jesus Christ of Jehovah's Witnesses because they say he's Michael the archangel. That Christ did not rise from the dead. His body was dissolved uh, in, somehow in the tomb. And they don't believe in a bodily resurrection. I just read it today to make sure I confirm this. They believe that Christ appeared as a human being when he wanted to do that, but it has no really risen supernatural body. It's not the Christ of Joseph Smith either, which some of the LDS church believe that he secretly married Mary and Martha at the wedding of Cain and Galilee. The liberals have a Christ, but he's not our Lord Jesus Christ. That he is ours. Christianity is yours. He's ours. He's Christianity's. That's the true risen Lord and Savior. And if you're going to be saved, you must come to him. You must receive him as your very own personal Lord and Savior. By grace through faith. Are you a sinner? Yes. But all of us, if you receive Christ, we've understood we are a sinner and we've repented. You cannot be saved without repenting of your sin. That's just the way it is. And it can only be saved through Christ. That's why we're here. To share the gospel and to encourage one another in their walk with Christ. Those are the two purposes of the church. Onward, then ye people, join our happy throng. Blend with ours your voices in the triumph song. Glory, laud, and honor unto Christ the King. This through countless ages, men and angels sing onward, Christian soldiers, onward. 
So not only some personal advice for the saint, there's some practical advice for the soul winner in 22. First of all, compassion is needed. And if some have compassion, making a difference. Don't allow those who are using, uh, abusing the system to get you to where you have lost your heart for people. There are some people who are on the corners who really might well be in need. There are some who are out there just to make a living or just to get their money. But there are some who really do have needs. There are. The food that we bring uh, through Five Co to the, the aging, a lot of times here and here in own Greenham County, it's, it's like just about the only food they're going to have in their refrigerator when the people bring the food in. It's just, And they really are counting on that. There are people who really have needs. And so that's why we have... Expanded senior meal plan here in Kentucky to get more and more. And the lady just told me yesterday at lunch, Friday at lunch, she said now she has, she has built up in this last year 70 new homes, 70 new customers. She calls every single week to check on them. And they get food through mom's meals. That's 70 new people in our area that are getting meals because there are, that, there are people with needs. And we are, we are to help people with needs. We are to have compassion. But specifically here, I think compassion making a difference. There are those who need Christ. We are to show kindness, having a desire to relieve the miserable and to be helpful to the lost. When you are without Christ, you may know it, but you're in a miserable state. You may not know, I'm sorry, but you're in a miserable state without Christ. The peace of God only comes by knowing the Prince of Peace. And then we can have peace. The world's looking for peace in so many wrong places. It's right here in front of your nose. If you'll simply get the Bible out and read. He died on the cross that we might have life and have peace of God can fill our hearts. Often love will find a way where logic fails. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, it's a very overused axiom, but it is true. They want to know if you care about them first. So you build a relationship doesn't mean you don't go out there and sometimes you confront people with the gospel. Yes, I need to do more than that. Yes, I never felt, in my entire life, I've never felt I've done enough of that. I feel like I need to do more. You need to do more. We do. But I can't do it from an error, an understanding or an attitude of egotism or arrogance. Someone has rightly said in many regards, we go into the kingdom of God heart first, not head first. God has not called the soul winner to be a lawyer or to win arguments. He's called us to show, can I just tell you about the Savior who changed my life? You can't. You start arguing with people, I guarantee you, you they're going to raise it right up with you. Yeah. Person comes in, they're angry, and you get angry back, and it just goes up and up and up. Somewhere I once read, a soft answer turneth away wrath. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, I read it far more than once. I've actually quoted it many times. It is true. The Bible works. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Compassion is needed. Also, 23, caution is needed. And others save with fear, pulling them out of fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now, some people, uh, Dr. Phillips says, are moral lepers. Some people's very presence is a contamination. Some people would, would count a triumph to corrupt the would-be soul winner. I think I just read that. An illustration of that about 15, 20 minutes ago, how the, the people were, were trying to bring the gospel to a home and those who were inspired by demonic forces likely came into the home and started beating the pastors. That's, what, that's where this rubber meets the road. It's, it's caution is needed and they were doing the right thing. Sometimes 
some people just get nothing be happier than to ruin the ministry, to hurt the soul winner, and even possibly kill them if possible. To put them in an embarrassing situation. We have to be so careful nowadays. The, the world has changed. Heard of a gentleman who just got let go of his job this past week. I'm going to tell you in more details, much more than that, simply because he walked by, put his hand on a student's shoulder in the, in the uh, cafeteria, said hi to her, and she jerked away, said, don't touch me. She was one of his students. And she filed the charges, and there no, he no longer has a job because of that. It's, 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 uh, it's coming. It's here. Those who work with such people, but must, they must be ex- we must exercise c- caution and care. Do you, do you not remember just it was the Bastos a few months ago? There was that one island that they went to, but it was such a dark island that he was afraid to take her back, and probably a very wise decision. There's some people who just, God's not going to force everybody into heaven, and there's some people who just don't want to go. They've so turned their back on God that they just they blaspheme the Holy Spirit in the New Testament time. They just don't want to go. They don't want to trust Him as Savior, and God's going to let them go their way. We should be cautious. And others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Now, what comes to your mind when you think of someone being nearly pulled out of the fire because they would not leave the city in which they were living, which is a very 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 sinful city? The angels grabbed Lot's hand and let's go. Let's get out of here because he just tearing, tearing, tearing. No, we've got to go now. Saving them out of the fire, pulling them. Interesting, this is harpazo. If you think back, we know that word. Give me a day. I know that word. Caught away. Yeah. The rapture. That's the same thing. He he pull him out of the fire, catch him out of the way, jerk him if you have to, perhaps. Don't jerk around on a socket, but get him out of there, pull him out of the fire. The snatching away. Luke uses that in, in Acts chapter 8, where it talks about the Enoch and Philip was caught away. Harpazo, not harpoon, but harpazo caught away from the eunuch. Saw him no more. That's the whole idea of pulling him out of the fire. There's no chance or need for dalliance in dealing with sinners. It's not, there's no need to discuss their lifestyle. We're not to show some curious interest. Well, what got you? Listen, the word of God is what saves. And people have, in the past, they've been this terrible immoral lifestyle. They get up and give an hour testimony about all the things they did before they got saved. I want to know what God's, how God's changed you since you got saved. The past is just that. Amen. The past. That's right. God's forgiven you of that. Only, thing's going to, only good it's going to do to keep rehearsing all that is give some, maybe some people, some young people, the wrong idea. Oh, that sounded pretty fun to me. I didn't know that even existed. No, I was lived a sinful life, but I can tell you, God saved me and changed me, and He can do the same for you. What God has done for us. You're going to be held accountable for what you've done for God since your salvation, I believe. Not before not all the sins that God forgave you of before being saved. Jude, then, another caution, having even the garment spotted by the flesh. Picture, I believe, is a leper, and perhaps, and his clothes. Who would want to put that on? A leper, or somebody has a bubonic plague, and they take off their jacket. Okay, now, all right, Tim, would you want to take my jacket? But you've had the bubonic, I know I've got, there's not too much plague on there, I don't think. All right. There, well, who's going to wear that? Especially without a shirt on, because you're going to get around. We're not going to do that. We know better than to do that. That's, that's the idea. Who would want to put that on? Well, only a fool would do that, yes. 
Some sinners' very garments are contaminated. They're spotted with the world. They're stained with the world. Referring possibly to diseases transmitted by the, the wearer's body to his clothes and then passed on. On the other hand, there might be the warning about establishing too close of an intimate relationship with people. It's, I know there are some very important jobs of undercover policemen, and they're doing a great job, and that's a very difficult job, I'm sure. But he's not called us to undercover Christianity. Because if you start, well, I've got to, beco- I've got to become like the, the gambler so I can learn about the, what the gambler really is. And so I'm going, be, I'm going to get involved in gambling, or I'm going to get involved in, I need to, I need to help the pornographer, so I'm going to help. No, no, and no. We are like God's word. That's what gives the you getting involved in that only going to mean that you ruin your testimony. This this is what the this is where the power is not in your clever. Well, I can sort of walk that line between. I tell you, people sitting on a fence, they always fall off on the wrong side. I can just tell you, if you're a fence straddler, you'll eventually. When's the last time you fell somewhere and it was a good thing? Not very often does it happen. When you fall somewhere, it's usually a bad result if you're falling unexpectedly. People fall off the... We'll continue on. An exhortation. How about an exclamation here? Now, an exhortation as we close up. I'm watching the clock. We've got 10 minutes. You don't even look. An exclamation here. Last two verses. What wonderful verses they are. Our great, first of all, our great high priest. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. The word keep there means in a word about the present. To keep you, to guard, to watch. Negatively, not to sleep. God is in ceaseless watching of us to keep us from falling. Means to trip or to stumble. Think of the extraordinary confusion of doctrine in the churches. Think of the unprecedented permissiveness in our own society even today that condones all kinds of sexual misbehavior and even applauds and champions sodomy and, and other things and, and even the abuse of our own children, the ending of our own children's lives. Our country, the left, has so made that champion. That's, that is the sacred cow of, our, of the left and our, even our own nation. The risk, the risk is being beguiled by false doctrine is very great. For those who don't have grounding in the Word of God, you may succumb to false teaching. That's why you and I must be critical, biblical thinking. Now, critical is not criticizing. Did you want to, I thought about that last week. Critical is serious. If you're in critical condition in the hospital, you're in serious condition, aren't you? Aren't you? Yes. Critical I means you're seriously studying the Bible. If I ask you a question, you seriously can answer it. Or your grandchildren can answer it. Or you can answer for your grandchildren. That's critical biblical thinking. It's, 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 you're dissatisfied. Are you dissatisfied with just a basic, I know, that, I know there's, six, is there 66, there's there's 66 books, and I know that I think there are 26, 26 about 27. Be done with that. I want to know how many chapters there are in the Bible. 1,189. I want to know how many verses there are. Over 30,000. How do we get? I want to know the themes of the. I want to know when someone says a verse, well, you find that verse right. Look about Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Soft answer turns away wrath. Does it not bother you that someone quotes a verse you don't know where to find it? It does me. Where do you, where do you, well, is that, does the Bible really say that? And this is the bottom line. If the Bible says it's true, it's God's word. Don't this mediocre Christianity be done with it. 
God needs us to be onward Christian soldiers. You put the armor on. You're ready to go. You're ready to fight. You've got every, and you're prepared for battle. Can you imagine soldiers going out with no helmet, no sword, no shoes, and they're going out barefoot and, and, and a, a jumpsuit or something with nothing else to fight with? They're going to be the first ones to go. They're done. And that's going to be you. And the Christian walk, you don't prepare yourself. Some ism, wisdom, wisdom comes along. Well, I think I'm going to start. Oh, that sounds kind of interesting. Well, please. A word about the present. He keeps us. He's able to keep us from falling. Well, the, devil, well, look, the devil's no match for God. Right. Do you, you, please put that aside once and for all, that, the, that there's a big war and we don't know who's, We know who wins. The devil is a created being. God is infinite. To say that Jesus and the devil are spirit brothers, which Mormonism says, abomination, absolutely, you're exactly right. So let's not sort of, oh, that, that, they believe, listen, if you are a saved person, you believe in Christianity. Nothing else. If you truly know Christ, this is the only one. You're not, I'm a Mormon that's a Christian. Well, no, you're a Christian, you follow what the Bible says. I'm not going to say there's no Christians in Mormonism. I'm saying if you follow, though, what Mormonism teaches, that doesn't lead you to Christ. Or Jehovah doesn't lead you to Jehovah. Is this is the only way. So a word of a prospect. Not only a word of present, a word about the prospect. Now to him that's able to keep you from falling 24 and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I present to you the president of Apple Corporation. Woohoo! I present to you the king of Siam. I present to you the sultan of Arabia. Whoa, do, 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 do. I present Timothy Scott Wright, 40491, before the Savior. Present you faultless before his presence with exceeding glory. I'm just telling you. That's going to be something else. Jeremy Boyles, you're standing in the presence of God. On my face. On your face. That he would even pause for a moment to consider such a worm as I. Different hymn books have taken Isaac Watts' words and turned like that. I like the worm. To such a worm as I at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. Present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. What a day that will be to envision the most staggering event of all time all over the world. Millions upon millions of tombs are going to open and up he comes and they're going to come out. We go to meet him in the air and we're going to be in the presence of our Savior. You talk about joy, exceeding joy. He says earlier on, 10,000 times 10,000 says of Enoch here in 14. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam. Behold, prophesies of these saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. That's the biggest number he knew, I believe. They're coming. They're all going to come. Woohoo! They're coming. And we're going to go up together and we're going to be presented faultless before the presence of his glory. Exceeding joy. Faultless. That's going to be tall cotton, if you would. Our great high priest, and then finally our great high prince. And we say four splendors. We have the personal splendor. Jesus is wise. 
Apart from God, we poor, fallen, Adam, uh, ruined sinners have no Savior. God is our Savior. And He is, uh, Jesus is God. He is the Savior. There's no getting away from that fact. And He is wise, the only wise God, our Savior. He's wise. He is. In whom, it says in Colossians, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom is the superior to knowledge. You may have ten degrees after your name. Fahrenheit being one, sorry. Uh, Ten degrees after your name. That doesn't mean you may have any kind of wisdom to use them properly. I'm telling you, a person wise and using God's word is far more learned than any a person with ten, ten PhDs after his name. This is where wisdom begins. God is wise. Can you imagine the author says to, someone says to Jude, now Jude, this falls for just a moment. Let me ask you a question. You say he is wise. How do you know that? Well, sir, let me just tell you, having grown up in the home with Jesus, countless times he would, he would have wisdom. Matter of fact, it got so commonplace, we took it for granted. Every time he spoke, it was that spot on. That's exactly what we should do. That's exactly the right thing. Every time it was, he has, he's the wisest person I've ever met. So yes, when I write, he is wise, the only wise God. I can tell you with apodictic certainty, he is wise. Not only is he wise, he is God. He's got the word of theos there. Elohim corresponds to Elohim, one but more than one. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. That's Jesus. That's not talking about God the Father. That's Jesus. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's our Savior. God of God. The little babe in Bethlehem was the Ancient of Days. The infant who was rocked by the peasant woman's arms at the same time was upholding all things by the word of his power. That's who he is. And you and I were going to worship this wonderful Savior forever. He's our Savior. He's wise. No matter why God our Savior, what a wonderful thing it is to redeem us. He also, now that's his personal splendor. How about his positional splendor? Be glory and majesty. Doxa is our word there. Doxology corresponds to that. That's what these last two verses are. A doxology of what our Savior, who he is. The word is used to describe the appearance of, of, of a magnificence that attracts and holds the gaze of the eye. That, that's, that's it. That catches your eyes. Like when you see the art encounter for the very first time it's like wow or you go out west and you see god's creation the mountains wow and i did that in new york city the first time i walked down the streets of new york city you walked like this wow wow those buildings are really 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 tall and they really really are tall that's man-made things god's made things are infinitely greater than that so it is a person it's a positional splendor all thirdly a practical splendor dominion and power Dominion carries the idea of force and strength. Power, exousia there, uh, stands for the authority and delegated power, the liberty and the right to put forth power. Taken together, the words point us to the millennial kingdom. People often forget that at Calvary, Jesus was our kinsman redeemer. Not only did he redeem our souls, he redeemed our property. He's our, our redeemer once and for all. That's it. He's, he's going to be that. It's the book of Ruth. He's that for us. He's going to come back and rule and reign. We're going to worship and serve him there in the millennial kingdom. And finally, his perpetual splendor, both now and ever. So all earthly empires wax and wane. Where is Xerxes? Where is 
Alexander the Great? Where is Rome's mailed fist that was the thrall of the world at one time? Well, the Vandals, the Huns, and the Gauls took care of that. Well, Spain once basked in the glow of empire. I mean, they even sent Christopher Columbus across from Spain to supposedly here, probably here, I'm not sure, and I'm getting to that. Once the, Napoleon redrew the map of Europe at will, once Britain's flag drew across a quarter of the world, and once America was a great guardian of the right and wrong of the world. I think we can put us right there with those. Time drives the plowshare through all the pomp, pageantry, and power of men. Empires fall into decay, and only historians remember the empires of the past. As a matter of fact, pretty much the past is only good for those students and schools who get out of school that day and have a field trip and go and get to see all the things and all the relics of past empires. I'm telling you, our God's empire reigns forever and ever. Of his empire and reign, there'll be no end. So it's going to be like we're watching history well, every day. Something new is going to be, this is God's. <laughs> Never to end. Never to end. All the famous conquerors established their empires by force. Isn't it amazing? Jesus founded his on love. A love. For God so loved the world that he gave. Love never faileth. Faith, hope, charity. The greatest of these is charity. For it never fails. The majesty of God. Shall we read the last two verses together and close in prayer? Jude 24 and 25. And may we just think about what we're reading as we do. So here together we go. Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we're just thankful for who you are. Thank you for this epistle of Jude. Warning, yes, against false prophets. Yes, beware, yes. But also this wonderful, wonderful ending about who you are. May we bow our hearts, our bodies, our spirits, our lives before you and serve you. What joy it is. May we serve you this week. May others see Jesus in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together.